Welcome to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair-Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode one and don't miss a thing as you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Hello and welcome back. My name is Timothy Fair Matthews, co-host to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast in the F10X Academy. Tonight we have Darius Sudi with us. Darish is a true entrepreneur with no formal education and no one to guide him. He has built several businesses worldwide and he's been born in a low-income family and he had to use his creativity and hard work to achieve the growth in his business. Well, I should say, I should say businesses because today um, he operates a number of businesses for marketing, recruitment, training, hospitality and a very successful online media agency. He employs over 100 people, uh, turning over millions of dollars um, it sounds like a massive headache, I'll be honest. We'll get to how you do this later, mate. Um, and through uh, all through his Be Unique group of companies. So the topic of tonight is uh, bringing abundance to your life and business, which I can safely say everyone is going to find this talk very useful. Darius, I really appreciate you coming on, mate, and giving us uh, the opportunity to hear your story and give us so much value. First of all, how are you? How are you doing? First of all, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Tim. Although I kind of invited myself, but thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, Really good. Thank you. Really good. Um, This last four months has been a wake-up call. Uh, At times, I was like, what the hell have we done to deserve this? But uh, at the end of it, it's actually, we had some of our most profitable months because we, yeah, we sharpened our business uh, and got rid of some wastage. Unfortunately, we call it wastage, but it's amazing how many people I was carrying. You know, it gave me a chance to reflect on my business and uh, start sharpening a knife, if that makes sense. So um, some of our superstars came shining and some people I realized they were hiding under our success. So, nice. um, yeah, we, we, we kind of like, yeah, polished up our business. So it's been challenging, but really, really interesting. One of the things that I, I've lost businesses in the past and... Um, this time around, I thought what I'll do is I'll build a number of businesses. So just in case one fails, I've got others to fall on. And I have businesses all over the world. Never thought in my life that the whole world will stop trading. Yeah. You know, never saw this coming. So it was interesting. But I mean, I mean, it's true what you just said. I mean, it's turned everything on its head. And I know a lot of people watching, and including myself, really have had to really reflect on how things are operating. Um, it's high, I mean, if anything, like, like you said, it's, for us, it's highlighted some cracks. Um, which, you know, if there's cracks, there's, it's going to grow into something more sinister down the line. So, you know, this is, um, it's a wake up call, like you, like you said. So yeah, very true. But I mean, uh, I, I mean, I, I've, we've grown a product ecosystem since this, which I think something we didn't have before. We had one business, one service. Um, you've gone through, this is my first recession. I'm going to be honest. And you've gone through a couple of recessions, haven't you? Some of my recessions were self-created. <laughs> Well, there we go. They, they say yeah. if you can survive and thrive in a recession, then you'll thrive outside a recession, obviously. So, yeah. so um, I mean, I think it's only appropriate we um, we give everyone the overview of you. 
and we find out what what you why you do what you do basically and and your journey here so i mean i know the description in this video is quite encompassing but i mean let's let's start from humble beginnings and work out uh, and work how you got to where you are mate you know what? I've said this a thousand times, so I'm kind of boring myself. But for the listeners who don't know me, um, yeah. not a very smart guy. I still am not very smart. I'm I'm one of these people who was not born with any particular gifts. Um, but maybe sometimes I think, or maybe I was cursed because I lost a lot of uh, my family members when I was very young. Uh, lost my dad when I was three. My granddad, who was taking care of me after my dad died, lost him at age five. And at the very young age of like six. I was very conscious of time that um, a six-year-old should not be thinking about. I was like, people can just be taken away from you. And yeah. um, so that's something that it was installed in me by circumstances. So what I find now, age 54, that I don't waste time. You know, I try to make um, every use of every single minute of my time. So uh, that was the first thing. Second thing was that um, I was always very optimistic. My mom, because she lost my father and became a widow at 23, she was very, um, she had a hard life. So I was surrounded by one woman, two, uh, it was a lot of pessimism and be careful and don't do this. And for something inside me, resented that. I resented being careful. I didn't want to be cautious. I want to be, you know, fly by the wind. I, I didn't like, I, never, I was never educated in a, in a way of like, uh, this is the way things should be. But I, I really knew that I didn't like going to school. Later on, I found out I was dyslexic. So, um, never wanted to quit, was optimistic, Iranian guy. And then eventually we went to the UK. So age 13, and uh, I had to learn English. I was bullied by everybody, but I never quit. And um, I was speaking to my ex-wife last week, and she said, you know, I've never met anybody in my life who never, ever quits. Yeah, so I think um, sometimes you have to pick your battles, but um, just never quit because in this life, you've got to achieve as much as you can because you never know it's going to end. And that's my mentality. Uh, I sat next to a guy at a wedding. It was actually a rabbi. And he said to me, you know, I've seen people, we're just having small talk. And he said, I've seen people die three ways. And uh, May I share it with you? And I said, sure. He goes, one of them is, you know, I see a, 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 an old man or an old woman and they've achieved everything in their lives and they're surrounded by their loved ones. And, uh, you know, and, and it's time for them to go. And I'm really happy for them. There's other bunch of people who have so much sicknesses and illnesses and and they die and i'm really happy for them because they they've got out of that pain but the worst pain in the world is when you have regrets you know you're old and you look back and you think i wish and i could have i would have and i thought you know what i'm gonna tick every box there is and um so as an entrepreneur as you know you take a lot of risks that most people um are, are uncomfortable taking so um i think my life's been filled with a, full of risks full of uh, challenging circumstances and I, I believe, you know, it's made me into a gladiator. I call myself a gladiator. I know you mentioned so, this to me before. To while you, were you, just like, you, like to, you, you like to call your your followers gladiators or entrepreneurs yeah, gladiators. What, tell me why why you call them gladiators again. Tell me that. Well, I think I think if you if you look at let's look at the last four months, right? Yeah. The human race has been through an nightmares, uh, plagues, also diseases, world wars. Um, weather changes, volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, but we always survived. In the last four months, we've had to wear masks and social distancing, right? And everybody's yeah. talking about the end of the world. So I think 
right now we need more gladiators, people who actually realize that out there marketplace is an arena. And if you haven't practiced your your uh, your trade, you haven't you're not re you're ready with your defenses and you're not ready to attack, you're going to get slaughtered in the marketplace. And maybe maybe nobody's going to stick a knife in, and you're not going to lose your arm, but you're not going to earn, and you're going to suffer. And that leads to our you know topic of abundance. But um, so yeah, you have to go out there and um, keep practicing, keep knocking on those doors, uh, keep re getting rejected. So I, I I say you have to be a gladiator, not just this um, this new generation of softies. True, true. I mean, well, I mean, one of the things I always like is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So for me, I, I mean, I certainly feel. I mean, I've had my moments. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. I think we've all had our moments in this uh, few last few months. But I mean, yeah, it does make it does what doesn't kill you does make you stronger. I think, and I think that's an amazing way to look at it. Um, you know, some amazing things you said that I'm going to circle. I'm going to pin them for a minute um, sure. because I know you. I know you and me could talk for a while and, and just go off on a that's tangent. That's why I love about you. Four hours later, yeah, people that. are still here, like. Goodness me, what's going on? Um, so let's let's still continue with the story. So I mean, you you're originally from the UK, is that right? I'm Iranian born, right. uh, and then went to the UK age 13. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't speak English, so I had to learn to speak English. And I was getting I was the only kind of non-white guy at school, so I was getting right. my ass kicked every day. So instead of quitting, I thought, you know what, I'm going to learn to speak English without any accent. I'm a Liverpool fan, so I used to say, you know, he said what team do you support i'll go liverpool and i'll have my ass kicked yeah so i said i have to say liverpool right so i learned to speak with as little accent foreign accent as possible to fit in and um i wasn't very good at education i failed everywhere miserably uh, so the best thing i could do was get into sales because i didn't want to go to college or university or become an engineer so uh, this is what all iranians do doctors lawyers or engineers so, um, yeah, I went into sales. That's the only area where I could feel that I could earn more than most people who were educated. And even then, I was a very slow learner. Um, but one thing I was, though, one, one thing I was consistent, uh, Tim, was that I was a hard, hardest worker. Yeah. I, never, I, I never really fitted with the, with the colleagues in the UK because there was a, with the sales goes a, like an alcohol culture. Mm -hmm. So after work, everybody went drinking alcohol and having fun pub and celebrating. But I just went, I just went and played squash. So I never really fitted. I remember Friday afternoons, uh, I was door knocking in Northampton when I lived in Manchester at six o'clock. And my boss used to phone me up and say, where the hell are you? And I said, I'm actually door knocking in Northampton. I used to get home at two in the morning. I was married with two kids. And, um, but what got me through wasn't my skill, but it was just literally hard work hard work and not uh, not sleeping on the job not skiving I was very honest um, those are the qualities that I think have served me well I just knew sales was a numbers game you know and whilst my most of, when it was raining when it was raining Tim I was most successful because my competition was at home right so uh, I was most successful when I was knocking doors at eight in, in the morning or six in the evening because that's when I caught the owners locking up or opening doors and that's when my competition was at home so um even some of my clients i know they signed up because they love that commitment in my in my eyes and they knew that i'll take care of them so i did very well in sales and then i ran my own i met my ex-wife first wife um and she was a beauty therapist so i got into uh, to find a little bit more about her beauty business and i realized that they needed salespeople because it was like 
what's unique about you? And they say, oh, this smells nice or the box is pretty. And I thought that's not a good enough reason to buy your products. So I go into beauty distribution. And then she had a beauty salon. And I realized there was an opportunity to run beauty salons outside town. And we got involved in David Lloyd Health Clubs. And eventually we had seven health clubs of our own. Uh, we had over 600 staff. Uh, 19, sorry, 2010 years, 2009, 2008, I was in the UK's rich list. There was a program on Granada following me for seven weeks, peak time, seven till eight, called uh, That's Rich. And it was like a fly on the wall documentary. And within wow. one year of that fly on the wall documentary, um, I had a heart attack. I lost all my money. Um, and oh my I was broke. I was broke. So, age, age 44. Oh, my God. And that's when you came to Dubai, right? Yeah, I was um, literally, I was in Withingshaw Hospital. And it said that uh, we got 75% chance of dying. So I was looking at the ceiling thinking, I, you know, is this the last view of my life? Uh, and I couldn't stop crying. And it wasn't, I wasn't crying because I was scared of dying. I was crying because I was alone. It was a really strange feeling. And I thought, if I'm going to survive this, and I will, I'm an optimist. Uh, if I was going to survive this, I was going to be close to my family. And yeah. my kids were in Dubai. So I ended up in Dubai. Wow. So you landed. So when September did you went 2009. September 2009. 2009 and i remember I, I have heard like a version of this story before but you, you <laughs> context dubai is not the cheapest place is it yes uh, you know we, we're going to talk about abundance right dubai is yeah. not the cheapest place and for six months my my diet was two coffees and a sugar donut yes but yeah. um it was it, at the time everybody disowned me my friends my family my partner at the time they all everybody disowned me they said i was a loser for leaving england but i had enough so I burnt on my bridges. I burnt on my boat, should I say. Um, I had house. I had three houses in Spain. I went there and sold all the insides of the house and left the keys on the kitchen top and left. Because if I thought if I wait to sell the houses and it was a bad housing market, I'll be there another two, three years in Europe. And I didn't have that luxury of time. So basically, after being leveraged, paying the bank, paying the taxman, paying everybody, I came here with about 700 or $750 in my pocket. That must have been pretty tricky. So I guess, I mean, I guess you're going to share this with us, but how do you go from 750 dirhams? Dollars. In Dubai, dollars, sorry. 750 dollars in Dubai to 100 plus staff and like many yeah, trades. I mean, I, yeah. I struggle. I mean, I've diversified a little bit. We were production beforehand. Yeah. It's, it's so much to juggle. I mean, you have to yeah. soup. One of the things I'm, I'm going to really kind of want to learn from you from this talk for myself is how do you stay so macro that you can manage, I guess manage is what, thrive several different business industries at once. How do you do that? Well, I think honest truth Tim, is that I look at I look at people like um, Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and and mm. uh, all these Warren Buffet, all these people who run mega businesses. I'm nothing. You know, we nothing compared to these guys. They have a they have a gift. And maybe I've actually diversified too much. If I focus on less of my businesses, I'll actually thrive more. I should focus on the ones that bring the most amount of profit and I've got the most amount of potential and the least amount of work. But uh, I think because I had too many eggs in one basket 10, 11 years ago, uh, and that puts a fear of God in me to put all my eggs in one basket so i spread yeah. I spread my uh, risk 
Um, so I don't think it's a good thing. Every day I have massive challenges. Now I'm blessed that I have a beautiful son. He's 26. That uh, his dad is is my he's a he's a junior me, and he's been kind of like shadowing me since the age of 12. So I'm blessed that I have him, who somebody who can trust, has got smarter than me, works harder than me, and has got more ability than I have that by the side of me. So that really really helps to have somebody who trusts you, uh, and yeah. you trust. Wow. So I'm blessed that way. So you talked a bit about um, the start that you've seen some really people, some people come out of that shell. Um, some people really thrive in this time in your team, I'm assuming. Um, I mean, you're very passionate about your team. I know you are. So, I mean, how? I, I guess what, what are the fundamental things you would say you need to thrive in, in something like this? You know, is it a team? Is it a mindset? What is it? It starts with a mindset because as a, as a leader, people look up to you. You've got to lead your team, right? So if it's not your mindset isn't right, people aren't going to get inspired. So, um, yes, I got it wrong. I called it wrong. When, when in March, uh, Corona came, I had a team meeting, and I promised the whole staff it's not going to affect us. And within three weeks, um, all my hospitality business just died. Within, within 48 hours, every, uh, every restaurant, every contract that we had just died. So I got 20 odd staff just looking at me saying, hang on, you said this is going to last. And now there's not one phone ringing. And um, even now, all our restaurant businesses are running at a loss because of social distancing. So, but then I realized how many of those people were looking for opportunities. So some came to you and said, hey, listen, we got people are looking at saving costs. So there's an opportunity for us to manage restaurants on their behalf. You know, so I'm looking for people who who have the right, right mindset, they don't think it's the end of the world. So many people think it's the end of the world. You know, life coaches online all the time saying, oh, how things are going to change forever. Nothing's going to change. People still like, you know, 2,000 years ago, we were, we were going to gladiate, gladiator games. We're dying to go to football games, right? We're dying to go to the theater. We, I cannot wait to sit next to someone in the cinema and hear them munching away at their popcorn. We, we're social, you know, we're social beings yes nothing's gonna change we're just gonna i think we're just gonna appreciate travel more for a while we're gonna appreciate being able to um not wear masks and hide our faces because i don't think people want to be like robots and you can't see their expressions on their faces so i'm looking at uh, optimists i'm looking at people who see opportunity everywhere that's so true i mean i want to circle back to moderation a little bit because you You've not mentioned moderation, but you said you'd thrive probably a bit more if you focus less maybe on the business. And and one of the thing, one thing you said earlier about that stuck with me about how you were out going from door to door when everyone else wasn't until two in the morning. Um, I'm very work. I'm very head down. Work, 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 work. It's it's like kind of eighty percent of what I do. Um, sometimes I don't always love it, but I mean I know I need to do it. It's almost like I'm addicted, you know. Um, so I completely get what you're saying when when others were out maybe at the pub you were maybe working on things I, I can very much relate to that um but i'm very curious to see what you because you threw me off when you said that so what do you mean do you do you feel that because this work-life balance for me i don't think makes sense like i think if you love what you do and you do it and you've got 100 into it everything's gravy but is that true like what do you think to to succeed to have an outstanding life you've got to mm -hmm. have an outstanding work ethic right unless okay. you win the lottery 
and um, you, you've got to, you've got to put in the hours. You've got to put in the hours. And what happens is you become um, an expert in things if you devote time. You become an expert in things if you actually study your competition. You become an expert in things and in, in not really knowing the ins and outs of your product. You can, I can sell anything without knowing anything about the products because buying is a is a science. Uh, selling and buying is a science, right? So yeah. if you get into the if you understand the the patterns of how, what makes people somebody buy or overcoming their fears without them actually having to reject you, um, then you've got a good chance of building a relationship, like and trust, and they'll buy your products or services. Now, if you're knowledgeable, you walk into an appointment with confidence, and the customer can feel it. When I came yeah. to Dubai and I had no money, the clients could feel my desperation, and I yeah. could feel that something was missing. Right, so I practiced. Well, it's, the, it's the law of attraction, isn't it? I mean, you've got to project. You, I mean, you're very big on your vision boards, aren't you? So, same thing. Yeah, it? all my, all my, st- my drivers, my accountants, you've seen it. My, my, even my receptionist, they all have vision boards, and big, clear vision boards. Because I told them I'm the most selfish CEO because I know that if they achieve their goals collectively, I'll achieve mine. You know, and I can't do it without them. So that's an amazing, yeah, amazing. When I when I arrived, the only thing that got me going and motivated in Dubai was my, my written goals on postcards. And I had these postcards, because my life at the time was shit, right? I can say shit, right? I can, it's okay? Yeah, it's a, it's a very casual podcast, don't worry. All right, okay. <laughs> then can I use the F word sometimes or no? But it, it depends. I mean, I don't know, let the audience decide. Get, say okay. say yes if you can, I don't know. <laughs> not at anyone. So I'm what happened was... Language is a form of expression in the right context, it's okay. Okay, you <laughs> the right context, I hope. So it just shows my passion sometimes. I have to control myself in Dubai. Um, what get me going? It was it wasn't my current circumstances because it was a shithole I lived in. I lived in a maid's room. My desk was under uh, over my bed, and my shower didn't have a curtain. So when I, if I showered, my bed will get wet, and all my paperwork will get wet. So, you know, um, I couldn't say I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, and look around me, and my subconscious mind saying you're a dick because you can't even afford to pay rent, right? So, mm. I tried to work and work on on where I wanted to be, not where I was. And the only things that motivated me, inspired me to keep knocking on doors in the middle of summer with no car. And I was knocking on doors, a dyslexic guy trying to sell, you know, um, uh, uh, writing skills or, uh, you know, newsletters for people. What, what, what were you flogging when you first got here? What was it? Everything, apart from my body. I didn't try the body trick, but I didn't get much money. But no, what happened was, um, I, when I arrived, it was the worst time ever in the history of Dubai. And people said I was crazy. But then what you realize, and I, if your listeners are, are listening to this, is that the best time to sell is when people have got headaches. Yeah. Okay? If they're making money, why do they need you? So I look at it from the opportunity side of things. And I thought, hang on a second. These guys have got headaches. I used to go to real estate agents. And I say, what's special about you? Why should I buy from you? And they didn't know. Because before, they just had a business card and the phone rang. The market was so full of buyers, right? So I went in and I was known as the guy who said, what's unique about you? What's unique about you? Because yeah. if you don't know what's unique about you, people judge you by price. So, um, so eventually, I called my company Be Unique because I was known as the yeah. unique one. And yeah. now we have a Be Unique group of companies. And every, everything is all about being individuals, being different, being unique, being outstanding. Yeah, being, not being one of many. Um, 
So I mean, I, 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 I don't know how many, I mean, to be honest, a USP, it sounds obvious, but I really sat down and thought about it, I think about two years ago, and it was really hard. I mean, guys, in the if anyone's watching, like, I'm sure there's people watching, but just like put a list, if you know your USP, put it in the comments, I'd love to hear them, because it is, it's quite a, a daunting exercise if you're not versed in knowing it, do you know what I mean? It's, I, I, I found that with a lot of entrepreneurs, mm. people don't really know their USP I mean, at all. The, the, the thing is, right, the, your USP isn't what they think is the USP. It's what's USP for the prospect. What's the unique selling proposition when you send a message across to the prospect, right? I've never in my life had a salesperson talking about buy my product with rubbish. Everybody claims to be the best, right? Yeah. So back it up. If you're going to make a claim about being unique, back it up. How? For instance, somebody says to me, why should I work? Why should I hire your company? Because I said we have a seven-step recruitment process. I only hire happy, motivated people, which means that when, when things go wrong, and they will, my staff will take care of you, and they don't lock up at 6 o'clock. They'll be here till 2, 3 in the morning and care for your business like no other. Yeah, so that's a really unique selling proposition. And coming to my office, and you, you've been to my office, Tim, right? Everybody's happy and positive and motivated and driven. So see it for yourself. And, in a crisis. Um, <laughs> I said everyone was really happy, motivated in the crisis, yeah. more to the point. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah. unique selling proposition is what the other person is interested in. What's in it for them, right? Yeah. Um, you can't say, well, I'm the best company. I've got the nicest logo and we're the fastest growing company and we have money in the bank. Who gives a shit, right? So mm. it's what the market wants to hear. Well, I'm desperate to go to some questions because we've got some really good ones. But I'm just going to ask you, um, I just want to steer it now a little bit onto the how you get abundance in your life and business. So um, I'm just going to circle back to your idea of just vision boards and just having that mindset. It starts with that. Is that correct? So is there like a methodology to this or is there? Um... It, it's, it starts with, um, honestly, I believe you, you can we can talk about abundance. Now, abundance could be abundance of negativity. It could right. be the abundance of wealth. It could be abundance of love. It's a, you see, one of the worst triggers because all I'd coach about is making money, right? Um, right? One of the biggest triggers that really pisses people off is when I talk about money. Money is one of those things that we've all been, 99% of us have been conditioned to think is evil. It's incredible. You know, when you're a child, you say, mommy, can I buy this? Well, who do you think we are, Rockefellers? You know, or um, money doesn't grow on trees, you know? Rich people are nice people. Money is not easy to come by. Yeah, it's all bullshit. So we fed this. So the moment I talk to money to someone, they just go, oh, I don't have an issue. And the moment they do that, I think they have an issue, right? So let me just switch my WhatsApp off. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. okay. So what happens is people have um, challenges about abundance, and it's all about being worthy. One thing I know, and although my mom was a pessimist, one thing I knew that she always said I could achieve anything. She said, okay, we're in a shitty neighborhood, and we don't have any money. But there is no reason why you can't have that car. There's no reason why you can't have that plane. Or there's no reason. And so automatically, that my question was not like accepting, like, why am I so poor? It was like, how can I have so much money? How can I have that girl? How can I have that lifestyle? How can I? So the quality of your life depends on the quality of conversation you have with yourself. Right. So I was very aware at a young age. I didn't know later on I went to Tony Robbins like, wow, this is a big science. But it was just like automatic in me to have positive yeah. conversations in my head because thinking is a process of asking and answering questions. If you're aware that your questions are quality questions, 
Yes, your answers will be quality. But too many people are just think shit and they gossip and they bitch and moan and are jealous. And it's it doesn't serve you. Don't think it. There's a, there's a book called Blink. And he says that in a moment before you act, you, in a blink of an eye, you have an option to make a decision. Right? And it's how you translate that circumstance. So if I see somebody with a Lamborghini going by, I was like, asshole. Or, wow, what a beautiful car. I wonder how he did it. I want to learn how he did it. Yeah. So there's a, there's different ways of interpreting things. So um, fire away. I know you're going to say something. No, that's a big one. I was just about to um, like. So you do you think if your mum wasn't didn't say those things to you, you probably wouldn't have evolved into an entrepreneur? Like, do you think people are born? I mean, we've had this chat before. But I'd be curious yeah. to hear your thoughts. Really good are question. Born an entrepreneur, or are they nurtured into entrepreneur? How, is it nature nurture? What do you think? I think one was if it wasn't for my mom, right? Because all my life, until about two years ago, I hated her. I love her, but I hated what she did to me because, you know, she she bloody screwed my head up, right? She she physically and mentally abused me. Uh, Worst things, I'm not going to go on live because my mom, thank God, is still alive and I love her dearly, but I, I hated the way she ruined my life, right? And I always thought it was my dad's DNA that was positive. Then I went to a seminar in Tenerife a couple of years ago and I realized it was th- what I didn't like in my mom was my inspiration. So suddenly I realized instead of like keeping my distance, what I didn't like was that pessimism and be careful and everything else. And that inspired me to be opposite. So she was my inspiration. There was nothing to do with my dad's DNA. Um, so again, it was the way I looked at things in life. So um, to answer your question, does that, does that kind of answer your question about my mom? Yeah, it does. So, I mean, to circle Next back, I think, for you, I think for you, you're leaning more towards the nurture point, right? As the nature now, now nature. you're going to say, you know, are you born or are, are you like, are you born? I think entrepreneurs are born. Now, right. it's like Usain Bolt was born a runner. Okay. Tiger Woods, Bob, he, he probably would have been crap at basketball, right? So it was something in, in his life that made him a great golfer. Um, Roger Federer, all these people. But it just happened that they were noticed as in golf. They were noticed as footballers or, or runners, and they were nurtured and, and coached, and they were in the right, right time and the right place. So there's lots of entrepreneurs out there, but it could be in Bangladesh and never having an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think you're born as an entrepreneur, and if you're lucky, the circumstances, your peer group, your education, your parents can make you the best entrepreneur there is. But that obviously helps if you have that mindset, which is what absolutely. This, there's many. I'm sure there's many many footballers who are better than Ronaldo, but they'll never get opportunity to be as good as him. But they, so, but they, they had the skill or they had the gift, like he did, but they never had the circumstances to make them the best. So, <clears throat> circling back to some your methodology in a way, you says it starts a mindset. Is, is, is the, the biggest tip and the takeaway, I think, from this talk for people is if they have that abundance mindset, then things will go in that favor. Is, is that it? Is, is, is it as simple as that? 85%. 85% is mindset. 10% is habits, work habits. 5% is skill. So wow. um, 85% is mindset. We have to admit, I say to my son, and he goes, oh, shit, Dad, you know, we're always having problems. I say, you know what? If you want to earn the most amount of money, you're going to deal with the most amount of problems. So wake up in the morning deciding that you're going to have more problems than anybody else, and you're going to fix more problems than anybody else. And the more problems and the more bigger problems you solve, the richer you get. 
So, you know, you wake up in the morning saying, I'm ready for it, bring it on. Or you better say, oh, I wonder what today's going to bring. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I hope it's not going to be problems. You're not going to earn money. So um, your motivation comes from having goals, having written goals, quantified with time scale, bring it down to daily and hourly action plans and write it down, contract yourself to it because end of the day, you're going to be answerable to yourself, right? You come alone, you go alone. Um, the ego is, a, is it blinds you, it's bullshit. Ego means nothing. I've been there on my deathbed when I saw a heart surgeon put a tube into my heart and I could watch my heart being operated on. You know, we're just such fragile beings. We're not, we're not invincible. So realize the ego means nothing. Yes, have an honest conversation with yourself. And did you do a good day's work today or did you bullshit yourself? Yeah, did you cheat your way through today or did you make those 10 calls? Yes. So when you go home, wife says, how was today? And you go, oh, fantastic. And you know, deep down inside, you didn't do anything. Yes, kick your own ass. Yes, because nobody kicks our own asses more than we do. Um, and take responsibility. It's got nothing to do with Corona. It's got nothing to do with um, the government or taxes or anything like this. It's all to do with yourself. You know, the, Bill Gates is given 24 hours. I'm given 24 hours. It's what we do with it. Yeah, so in my company, when people come in and say, uh, Darish, hi, how are you? How was your weekend? I say, get out of my office, come back when you have the right question. Because if you want to have a chit-chat with me, don't waste my time. We can do it the weekend or in the evening. So my staff come in with a laptop open, with a presentation open, with three questions, with their three solutions, and they ask for my opinion. So it's taken a long while for me to coach them. But um, to actually have people free you, you have to change the way you deal with them and your environment changes. So I don't get into, I don't get into chit chats, uh, small talk. I'm not bothered if people like me or not at work. Work business is about delivering. You know, I know a lot of people admire me, but a lot of people don't like me because I bring results at any cost. Yes. And I, I, I give you a delivery. I promise you increase your sales by 30%. I'll get you there. Well, it's going to be a tough journey. You might not like my approaches because I'm in your face and I'm pushing you. And it's like a personal trainer, trainer who passes you past the 13th or 14th rep. I'll, I'll burn your muscles. But that, yes, but that, but that's that. the thing. It's like with training. It's those reps at failure, which is yeah. where you make it. Absolutely. Muhammad Ali said, I only started counting when it started hurting. So that's the way it is. And, and that's the mindset. And then the habits are wake up early. Wake up early, beat the clock, yes? Do some exercise, meditate, focus on your goals, plan your day, what could go wrong? How are you gonna deal with it? What challenges are you gonna have? So when, when you go to work at half past seven, you hit, that, you hit that thing running, yes? You don't sit there making yourself a cup of coffee and talking about the last night's game or the corona deaths around the world. It's, what's that gonna serve, right? Oh man, speaking my language, Darius. <laughs> right, I think let's let's throw to a few questions just to recap. Some comments pop up. I can see some comments popping up, but I don't even know if anybody's asking questions. Is that no, there are there are. We're gonna go to them now, don't worry. So um just to recap, guys, 85 percent mindset, ten percent habits, five percent skill. We'll go we'll we will finish with skill because I want to ask you a few more questions about it. Let's go to a few questions. So um let me have a quick look got a nice question here from danielle i'm working on building a community for my business what would be your tips to start this and build a successful community 
Okay, Daniel. Um, actually, really good question, Daniel. Now, what you have to do, I don't know what your community, your business is, but... I think she's in science, I think. I'm not sure. I, 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 I think she's one of our members. It's, yeah. it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Yeah. Now, okay. what happens is, what happens is um, if, if, if you imagine... Uh, Tim, I'm going to ask you a question, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, you've been in business for how long? How many years? From day one to now? 10, 10, 11 years. 10, 11 years, right? So over the last 10, 11 years, how many people have you connected with in your community? Have you touched with in networking, online, sales calls, 5,000 people, 10,000 people? Maybe, yeah. Around that. Okay. So imagine, and, and out of those, if you don't mind me asking, how many of those, let's say 5,000 people, tend to be your clients, your customers? 100, 200? Not even that. Not even that. Thank you for your honesty. So, Daniel, imagine I called 5,000. I, I came to Tim and I said, Tim, I've got a magic wand. I'm going to save you 10 years of your life. Okay, 10 years of rejection. That 4,900 people rejected you. You had to dust yourself down, get 10 years older, lose all your money. I'm going to call all those 5,000 people and invite them to a stadium to listen to Tim talk and pitch his, pitch his stuff. And they go, no, no, I've heard him before. I don't want to come to the stadium. I said, you know what I'll do? As an incentive, I'm going to give you some free popcorn and hot dogs and Coke. But here's the catch. If Tim says anything that's boring, you can get up and leave. So Tim, Tim comes in and he's apprehensive because he's going to pitch his community. How is he going to get 5,000 people to buy from him? He's only got 20 minutes. The moment Tim walks in, 50 people get up and leave, and he's walking into the middle of the stadium, and he can hear everybody crackling the popcorn, okay? And 100 people leave because they don't like his shirt or they don't like his beard or whatever it is, okay? You can't please what's, anybody. What's wrong, what's wrong with my shirt? I love you. I love your shirt and beard, but it's <laughs> some people who don't like bald men, right? Or some people oh, yeah, don't like men or right. women. So you can't, you can't change that. So what Daniel wants to know is how can you get people engaged, Right. The only way Tim can get people in the stadium sitting and listening to him for 20 minutes is by educating them something they didn't know. He never talks about his products. He never talks about his services. He talks about stuff relevant to that industry that they didn't know. He's researched, Daniel, independently. Because if you're going to educate people about a product or service that you sell, they're smart now. They think automatically that you're pitching them. So if you keep educating people something they didn't know and it was independently researched so they can't question it and you repeatedly do it, they see you as an expert and they get, and they get uh, emotionally attached to you. So that's the first thing. Entertain them with things that they didn't know. So what happens if you feed me with information in your community that I didn't know and I go home and tell my wife or husband or my friends about it, automatically, automatically I owe you a favor automatically I will recommend you to people. Automatically uh, I keep watching you and I'm, I'm committed and I'll become part of your tribe. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, well, that's amazing, really good. So basically entertain and give value. Inde entertain giving an independently researched information. Depending Can I give you one example? It's gonna give about three, four minutes to, to tell you. Is that okay? Can I give you one example? Mm -hmm. Do I have time? Yeah, sure. Okay, I had a client, uh, Daniel, I had a client who uh, did uh, haulage and he had 100 staff and I promised him to increase his sales by 30%. And 
And when I went to meet him, he'd given up. He said, nobody's interested in this business. If somebody wants to move, I'll just go and see 100 people in a day. One of them will buy, and I just want the cheapest services. You know, where they go from A to B, moving homes. But um, then I went and interviewed his staff, and they're all num-nums. They couldn't speak English. They could barely find the address to the house. So I thought, God, I've taken this guy's money, and I've I promised to increase his business by 30%. How can I do that? He's not interested. Staff are not trainable. But what I did was I started researching the internet, and I realized, and United Nations research, United Nations, so nobody can question it, said that 10,000 20-foot containers are uh, lost on ships every year. So every year, 10,000 containers fall off ships. They hit, they hit ships. 80% of them don't sink. So they found 20-foot containers with Doritos in the uh, coast of Hawaii. They found Harley-Davidson 20-foot containers in Japan. They just float, and they hit ships. So what they did was they put uh, microchips, um, GPS chips, on 20-foot containers to monitor the movement. And to monitor the movement, Oceaneers found out that you can actually monitor the movement of oceans around the world. That's it. Is that interesting? It's so. very interesting, right? So I, I took that and I put it at the bottom of the quotation. So every time these num-nums gave the quotation out, they had that educational stuff from the United Nations. I doubled their sales. Because when people saw it, they thought, oh, they're not the, they're not the cheapest, but hang on, that's interesting. They must be the most knowledgeable. They're going to take care of my goods. So automatically, the sales doubled. Wow. Positioning. Yeah. Without without being too direct. Wow. Awesome. Get these people are loving the interview. Some people uh, are not loving my shirt, though. I've just had a comment from Patrick saying, free average shirt. We'll take, it off. Ken, take it off. We won't call this. Go on. I'm sure you get a lot more viewers. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take it off towards the end of the chat. Because we've already not a to go. <laughs> if I take off my shirt, I'll scare everyone away. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Right. Okay. Next question. Let's have a little look. So bear with me. I'm just going to read. There's a lot. Um, interesting one. What helps you get through the transition of wealth and starting again? So you talked a bit about, you know, mindset and stuff and obviously a bit about history, but what was, what was it? Was it just the okay. optimism? What was it? No, desperation. <laughs> oh, you, really? You know what it is? Um, I, I was never a bad guy and I was never ignorant. Um, but I never, never really faced failure that much. And when I was, when I'm worth a hundred million dollars, and in a matter of months I lose everything, and and I can't eat, it's quite degrading. And I had kids obviously at the time, and my kids didn't go to school for six months. So can you imagine? I have to look at them every day, and they're looking at it like that. What's going on? You know, and you, I felt a total failure. And what other driving force do I need? You know, I. Um, I had commitments. That's it. You know, I, I don't struggle for my commitment. I just had to do it. I burned the boats and there's one way forward. I can teach you stuff like the customers, the customers in front of me with doubts and he couldn't make up his mind. I just stretched over the desk and shook his hand and said, when do you want me to start? I was so assertive. The guy couldn't say no. And that's, <laughs> that, that's how I win my accounts today. Because you know what? I, when I got my first deal, I sat in the car and cried for an hour. And I was sick. I was physically sick because, you know, when an animal is chased by a lion, let's say, and the chase is finished, they become sick because the adrenaline. I had so yeah. much horrible adrenaline running inside me. I opened the door of my freaking shitty Yaris. Yes. And I was sick all over the floor because I, and, I, and I thought, you know what, this soon shall pass. 
But what am I learning from this crappy lesson? And it was like that right now, it's easy for me to go across and ask for the order because I'm hungry. But this soon shall pass. So I made a commitment that when my stomach's full, I will still stretch across that frigging table and shake their hand. And I closed 99% of my appointments because I'm just freaking driven and people can feel it. They know I'll deliver whatever it takes. And that's it. I don't take prisoners. When my competitors say, okay, I'll leave you the code. Think about it. When should I call you back? Yes, this isn't the right time. Oh, you have too much empathy. Oh, you can't afford it. I understand it's tough times. I'll call you in September when summertime's over. I said, screw that. Do you have time to wait for two months or you want to keep losing every day? You know, do you have commitments? I, I, kick my, I kick my clients' asses. I said to them, I'm not answerable to you. You've got kids and a wife and mother and father to look after. I'm answerable to them, so I'm going to kick your ass to deliver for them. I'm answerable to them, not you. What are they going to say? Because most people care more about others than they do for themselves. I want to hire you. I don't know what you're saying, but I want to hire you. But it's period. I'll make it. Um, well. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. I got another nice comment here. I'm not sure it's from, but it says, Love the McGlen gladiator mentality. I, think love I don't know awesome. who the user is, but I love to your name. Respect, man. My, I honor you. <laughs> Um, well, let's have a look. Wow, inspiring story. Just joining from the UK. Stuart, uh, put some first one for God's sake. <laughs> Got a question from Saj. So he's just joined from the UK. I can relate to the story. My grandfather sold fabric uh, from his bicycle, then onto a car shop and eventually factories. Hard work pays off and earns my respect. That's amazing. So true. Much respect. Um, Thank you. Got a nice question here. So, such an inspiring story, Darius. I struggle with sometimes letting go of the little details. How do you run so many multiple businesses and keep so cool? That's a great question. Amazing. Um, to be a perfectionist is actually the lowest standard. Yeah? Okay. Because uh, perfectionists are always depressed. There's never a right time. There's never a right moment. There's never a right product. So, I just accept that my best staff are only as 80% as good as me. Because I tell you what, if you hire, if you work with somebody as good as you, they're going to become your competitor. So, you know, you get somebody who's good as you or better than you or smarter than you, and why should they work for you? Why, why should they be on a salary? So they just take what you've got and become a competitor. So love the fact that you have all their skills and all the drive and all the passion. And every time, here's the thing, have I been stolen from? Absolutely. Have they lasted? Never. Six months to a year max, because they see the money, they think, oh, this is easy, but they don't have the passion, right? So they do it for the wrong reasons, and they never last. So they harm you for a little bit. Oh, nearly swore. Next. Next is my favorite word in business. Next. Next. Mm -hmm. I, I, do you know what happened was, Tim, when, when I lost everything, I realized one of the reasons that um, I had a heart attack was that I was actually had people I was working with who didn't share the same values as me. And um, if I was going to survive, I was going to write my values down. So I, did you see my uh, value book at, at the office when he came in? Did I show it to you? He didn't show it to me, but I've heard, I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I'll make it clear to my suppliers, to my staff, to my customers, that honesty, communication, speed, you know, all this stuff are my values. And if you can't adhere to it, I don't want your money. I don't want your money. And yeah. I fired billionaires and phone up and say, do you know who I am? I said, yeah, you're a multi-billionaire, but we don't share the same values. I love and respect you, but I can't work with you. And three, four months later, they come back eating out of my hand because they know I was right. They hate it because most people take the money and screw up their values and then become unhappy. If somebody, time, 
time efficiency is one of my values. If somebody's consistently late, I fire them, right? Because they'll be late in payment, they'll be late on delivery, they've been late on promises, they'll be late in paying the staff, they'll be late at doing all sorts of things. So you can see it coming. You know, sometimes you see a client and you get a horrible feeling and afterwards you think all the signs were there. All the signs were there. I'm very clear with those signs and I don't entertain anyone who doesn't share the same values as me. Wow. I think um, I think this faith, I think it's used as Nancy. I just did a workshop the other day with Nancy. We did a whole value exercise. I found yeah. it incredibly useful to sit down and really think what means the most to you. And I think we, we started with like 30 different values and then narrowed it down to five. And then we Absolutely looked at right. how do we incorporate that into our business plan. It was an amazing exercise, really good. Um, yeah, big, big. There's too many gray areas when people do business and prospects, especially sharks, see it and they infiltrate that, that, that gray area. Uh, what you need is clarity. And I think if anything I, I, at work now, I'm a point of kind of inspiration. And also I bring clarity to the young people who work for me because they, they don't have the experience. And if a client abuses them or asks for too much, they come running to me and I say, hang on. No, no. If they want this and that and that, they pay. Do you know, Tim, all my clients, we turn over millions of dollars a month, right? Did you know all my clients pay me up front? I don't give credit. Wow. Because right from the beginning, 10 years ago, I decided that I wasn't going to give credit. I wasn't going to support anybody else's business. And right from the beginning, I said, if you want my business, you pay up front. And if I don't deliver, I'll give you your money back. But you pay me up front. So with this company that we have, only have two accountants. If you want to pay, if you want credit, I have five accountants, you pay more money. How do you like it? And all my clients pay me up front. I have zero credit issues. Because I couldn't afford right from the beginning to give credit, right? So that that value has just stayed with me. I think a lot of people could take that. I mean, I've been there. Been you there you need balls. It's, it's, almost like, it's almost like money's a dirty word, I think, for most people. I think a lot of businesses struggle with the cash or payment conversation. Um, the reason money is, guys, if you're listening to this, please write this down. Today you are earning, whatever you're earning is what you think you are worth in the marketplace. So if you're earning a million dollars, that's how much you think you're worth. If you're earning $10, that's how much you think you're worth. Right? Market pays you what you think you're worth. Tim, when I first came here, I was doing the same tricks. I'm a one-trick pony, right? I was doing the same things, and I was charging 3,500 dirhams a month. Now I'm charging 42,000 dirhams a month, right? Same things, same thing. The only difference is that I value myself more, right? Same marketplace, same everything. Um, so I just, I just aimed higher. So value yourself, and the reason people have issues with money because they don't value their experience. They, value, they don't value their education. They don't value themselves. So they cringe talking money, right? Because they think the person with the money is doing them a favor. And I think the other way around. I think I'm doing them a favor because I'm going to make them more money. They just don't know it. You've got to believe they're in product. If you don't believe they're in product. They just don't know it yet. They just don't know it yet. The first, the first risk they take is the first payment. After that, they're going to kiss my ass. They're going to kiss my feet. They're going to kiss my hand because I'm going to keep driving their business. I'm going to pay their mortgages, pay for the private yacht and the business and first class flights. Yeah. So true. A lot of people are resonating with that. 
Amazing. Right. Let's move on. I think Danielle did say earlier that you answered her question. Uh, here we go. Yeah. Thanks so much. Actually, she has got another question. So I'm going to throw to her because she gave an amazing first question. So do you ever have days where you can't motivate yourself or feel lost? And if yes, how Every do you day. Of that? Every day. Every day. Now, this is Daniel. What I say is that we talk, we're talking about abundance. And thank you for these great questions. Um, we're all, as beings, I believe, well, I know if you look at um, physics, uh, quantum physics, is that we're all made of molecules. And we just, for somehow, some way, we all got together as a force of energy. So if you break us down with carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and so forth, and for some reason, our brain gets together and starts thinking and having memories and stuff. So we all, as molecules, vibrate at a certain frequency. And vibration is this. Correct? Vibrate. Some of us vibrate higher, some of us vibrate slower. One thing I know, Daniel, that throughout the day, vibration happens. So you're going to go through good times, bad times, tough times. So every single day, I'm thinking, what the f is going on? What, why are these challenges sent to me? How can I overcome this? I'm knackered. I'm 54. What the hell am I going through this for? I shouldn't be doing this. And then I realized that, you know what? If I'm going to be a billionaire, I've got to have a billion more reasons or billion more challenges than most people who bank tell us. So that's my driving point. And um, and then here's the thing, my love. If you if you if you get this, you get a flat line. What happens? You're dead. Yeah. So it's, I mean, me and Seb had a chat about this. I remember when we were young, we we called it sound wave theory, and we were like, the more severity the wave, i.e., the decline, the more of an incline you're likely to experience. So yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. this ties directly back in with what you said earlier about having the pain from an early age. Like if you almost didn't have that. I guess suffering or those hardships, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be who you are now at all. No, I wouldn't. I, so I, I'm writing a book and it's called a, uh, is it a blessing or a curse? So you don't know, you know, I don't know what it's like to have a father. I don't know what yeah. it's like to put my head on my father's chest or I was a good footballer or a squash player and never had my father watch me play football, right? But, or, or squash. But then at the other time, maybe I wouldn't have been whatever, well, I don't think I'm anyone, but if, you know, quite successful financially if i hadn't had that loss so but as an optimist what am i going to do am i going to that little boy dictate the life of the man i am today or i'm going to ch take charge of my life and and decide that i'm going to take my lessons and move forward um it's a life of abundance or a life of depression because you can't change the past if you look at um children they're the happiest when they live in the now they don't worry about, and then we teach them how to worry about their exams. We teach them how to worry about the future, what career, what do you want to be when you get older? Who gives a shit? Let them enjoy their lives because it's all about yeah. life's about moments. Life's about mm -hmm. moments, right? Just make sure today you have the most amazing freaking day. You get the most happy because you're not guaranteed tomorrow, period. I know. I know. Wow. True. So true. So I hope that answers, that answers Daniel's question. Yeah. Got a nice comment from Sabrina here. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, uh, yeah. So Seb, Seb's coming to Soundwave Theory here. Yeah. Lo love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Darius. I think, I think, honestly, we're getting close to the hour, but I mean, you've given us so much value already. Um, amazing. You know, I mean, I'd love to know a little bit more about how people can keep in touch with you. Should they? I mean, I know you're in the FTX Academy. So, guys, if you want to tag Darius in, you have any extra questions if you're watching this later, I'm sure he'll be absolutely cool to get back to you. But, 
tell us a little bit about how people can keep in touch with what you're sure. doing. I know um, you've got some you've got some pages and stuff. It'd be good to share sure. that now. I think um are you going to yeah, my name is up there, Darius Sudi official or something. Or Darius yep. on Facebook, Darius Sudi Biz Consultant. Um somebody asked me to do a talk about uh, five years ago. And yep. uh, I did a talk and somebody opened up a Facebook page on me. And organically, I've got 350,000 followers on Facebook. Uh, and we started an uh, Instagram page. I think it was Dari Sudi Official. Uh, yep. And it'll be my pleasure. Connect with me. Uh, follow me. And if I can help you with your business or advise you or any means, or when I do my seminars, I'll definitely invite you. And uh, I'll let you guys know, Tim, as well, to promote it. So it'd be, it's been my honor. I see this meet. I see these positive comments, and it makes everything worthwhile. So I'm honoured, and I thank you. Amazing, honestly, Darius. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. I hope you have an amazing uh, night, and we'll, we'll look forward to having you again back in the academy soon. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Thank you. I honour you, gladiators. <laughs> thank you, mate. Thank you. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to f10x.com to apply to be a part of our online community.